everyone. Welcome back to Hate Read. I'm M. Usually on Hate Read, me and my co-host Anna challenge each other to read books that we think they'll hate. But this week, Anna's not with us. And instead, we have a special guest co-host, Morgan Malin. Hi, Morgan. Hello. How are you? I'm great. How are you? How are all of the listeners doing? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I can't speak for them, but I'm doing great. Oh, that's good. So, Morgan, you are a librarian, correct? Yes, that is correct. (laughs) Um, So you, I would assume, read a lot? I do. I do read a lot um, on my own time and on my work time. (laughs) And it's actually allowed because I am in a review group for work um, where I get to go and read a lot of young adult literature, usually stuff that has either just come out or is about to come out and I get to read it. And then every other month meet up with the people in the group and we discuss the books and then we get to keep the books for our collection or to give away for prizes to like patrons or things like that. So I do that. And then I also get a lot of arcs um, from publishers that I also read and review. So lots of reading and reviewing. What type of books would you say that you usually like gravitate towards? Like what are like, let's say like your top three favorite genres. Okay. Um, I like a wide variety, but I think I find myself mostly reading high fantasy Mm. and science fiction. But then I also really like a good contemporary, like fluffy book to just kind of balance it all out because there's only so much like pain and (laughs) suffering that one person can endure. (laughs) Do you, so if you're doing reviews and stuff, I guess a lot of times you probably maybe come across books that you don't like as much and kind of have to power through. Yes, absolutely. So So you you kind of have some experience hate reading stuff. I do. I do. Um, Because with... (laughs) So a lot of times the arcs that I get, I'm a little more selective about because they're usually electronic ones and they're ones that I request from the publishers and then they decide to approve me for them. And those usually I tend to pick more things that I think sound good or things that I know are coming out and I would like to read anyway. The review group that I have for work is pretty much just a luck of the draw. It's whatever the publishers have sent to this library consortium where we all meet and then that person that runs the library consortium brings the books to us and is like choose five and sometimes there will be things I recognize um, and sometimes there will be things I've never heard of and a lot of times (laughs) they're really good and a lot of times they are awful. Yeah I think that's kind of like um, when we kind of started this podcast that was kind of our hope that like because we were doing this wider range of books than what we would usually read that like maybe we would find something that it turns out we really like and that really hasn't happened too much yet with the books me and Anna have done yeah um I've had that happen a couple of times where I've seen like at my review group I've seen a cover for something and it's just been like oh I think I saw that was coming out and it didn't really look like something that interested me it just looked super generic and like oh this trope has been done a million times and then I read the book and like loved it it was the best thing one of the best things I'd probably read all year so sometimes you just never know and then sometimes I've gotten things that look like they're going to be great and they're just terrible so and I think that's kind of the thing that like um even though this is a podcast that it's called hate read and it seems like we're really negative it's like um I think there is something to be said for reading books that seem like something you wouldn't like because you never really know And it's a good idea to expand your horizons, I guess. Yeah. And just because it's not like my cup of tea or your cup of tea or Anna's cup of tea doesn't mean that somebody out there isn't still going to really enjoy it. So, yeah, it's just all opinion. Actually, I think might have been the case with the book we read for this episode. (laughs) Did you end up liking it? 
I didn't hate it. Oh my god. <laughs> uh, so for this episode, I asked you to pick a book that you had read in the past and did actually dislike yes. when you read it the first time. Um, and you picked Jodie Lynn Anderson's The Vanishing Season, which is also called like The Memory Keeper, The Memory, yeah, something it had like that in the title. British version. Mm-hmm. But so first I wanted to ask you, when, uh, when you first read this, kind of what did you not like about it? Why, why was this the book that you thought, this is the one I want to bring to well, talk about as a book I didn't like? For the longest time, I had pretty much only read things that I was pretty sure I was going to like, and and that was the case. And then I read this book thinking I would like it, and this I think the first time I read it was maybe three years ago, um, mm-hmm. and it was the first book I had read in so long that just really rubbed me the wrong way. I just did not like basically everything about it and (laughs) I don't know if it's because I like a happily ever after if it's because Mm -hmm. I don't like a lot of the the things that happen like subject matter thematically in the book that just kind of made me upset but um yeah it just it it, it's the first book I remember going to Goodreads and writing a hateful review for (laughs) oh my god yeah (laughs) so it was like kind of your first ever hate read it really was yeah so I thought I will share this with Em and see what she thinks (laughs) <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, so I hadn't read this book before. And I I think when I introduced this book um, in our last episode, I said, oh, I've read other stuff by Jodie Lynn Anderson. And I have not. I confused her with two other authors. With also uh, because, a Jodie something something. <laughs> yeah, the other Jodie. And I actually I think the first one that I confused her with was Jennifer Lynn Barnes. I oh, think, okay. Was. Yeah, so there's there were... A couple other triple barrel authors that I yes. uh, mixed there's her up with. So. There's also Lori House Anderson. It could have also mm, been her. Yeah, that's yes. the one. Okay. That's the one. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh, yeah, the Anderson person with three names. Yeah, I've read that. Yeah. Um, I hadn't. So I'd never read this author before. I hadn't read this book before. And I started it. And here's the thing. Uh, I, I don't love this book. This wasn't like my favorite book or anything like that. Yeah. But I think for me, a big part of why this book... And I mean, like, I went and read reviews afterward, afterwards, and I feel like a big part of why this book has kind of a backlash against it is it is not marketed correctly at all. Probably like, not, no. The blurb, the uh, title, like, it's like, oh, girls are disappearing, and there's a murderer on the loose, and loose, and there's a ghost. And it's like, that's not what this book is about. No, it's not about that at whatsoever. <laughs> and that's probably also what made me so upset about it. I thought I was going to get, like, this mystery thriller. And basically, I felt like this book had no actual plot to it. No, it's it's very, like, it's English like, class. Like, it's like uh, slice of life, but, like, not in a good way. <laughs> it's It's very, like eighth grade English class we're going to discuss the themes and characters sort of book yeah it's like, a, there's lot, a more... lot of symbolism there's a yeah, lot there of is. yeah so I mean like for that I I kind of enjoyed that because it was more like a character piece but uh-huh. I definitely don't think anyone reading the back of this book going into this book would be like oh yeah this is what I signed up for because it is yeah. not what is described on the back of the book at all so that was um fun disappointing (laughs) yeah I think if you're if you're going into it like oh I want to read the book that I was promised and then you end up with this book it's it's pretty disappointing in those terms but I did think that it was like really well written 
Um, that was, I and, think, my one good critique the first time I yeah. read it. I said, the writing is really well done. It's, mm-hmm. it's like, got some nice uh, prose Cadence. or lyrics. Yeah, yeah, it's just, that part's nice. It's beautiful. She's a good writer. But just plot-wise, story-wise, plot. it's just not And I there. did hate the characters thank you that's also my big issue is i was like these characters are all terrible people they but do I don't, awful things and i not, don't mind books where i hate the characters no, me i think neither. It, it depends it depends, it depends right? for sure because in this case i didn't like them because i think of the things the bad things they were doing hmm. was just like upsetting but in general yeah. i sometimes i root for a villain i like a bad sure. character they're way more interesting to read about and this case they were not interesting to read no they weren't (laughs) Uh, but I guess with kind of all of that said kind of our first thoughts and impressions we should get into what this book is actually about yes and kind of go through it Um, (laughs) all right so vanishing season we open up it we are in more or less the point of view of this girl Maggie Mm -hmm. who is 17 18 years old Yes. She just moved to this small town of Gill Creek uh, with in her Door parents. Door County. Door County, yes. And on Water Street or something like that? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah, um, which is a neighborhood that apparently has three houses on it. Pretty much. And one of those houses is inhabited by a rich family. Pauline. Whose daughter is Pauline, who is a... Uh, do you remember in Great Gatsby when Daisy is like about her daughter, like, oh, I oh. hope she could she could be a, a beautiful idiot or yes. I think it's the yes, yeah, a that's beautiful Pauline. fool, a beautiful fool. Yeah. Pauline is a beautiful fool. Like that she is, is she is a stupid, beautiful idiot. Yes. And she gets everything she wants. She gets everything she wants. And she acts like she's about five years old. And yeah. It is and there's even a line at one point that says, oh, she's just multiple, like a child. She has all this energy. Lines. And then she just crashes. <laughs> yeah. And like, yeah. she's like, she wants to go watch the mermaid show. And she wants to go look at the fireworks. And I'm she like, wants to go see the amusement park where the girl was being held by a kidnapper. <laughs> that one's a little bit of an outlier. <laughs> it was real weird. But yeah, so she's she's uh, in the one house, and then yes. in the other house is Liam, yes, who is a man boy, Pretty and much. he kind of is really creepy, and we'll get into that later. Yeah, he's, but um, he's not uh, he's not the greatest either. No, I'm not a fan of Liam. His dad is described multiple times as being like really weird and this weird atheist and like he's this weird atheist who does atheist things like having bumper stickers on his car and he like goes and harasses people outside the church right and goes like he like carves a pumpkin with like 666 and puts it in front of the church or something i'm like what is this man doing they're like they're like he's really antisocial i'm like if you are antisocial why are you like actively doing things to piss people off in your town like what are you doing so he was maybe he likes it maybe he wants people to hate him (laughs) i guess i'm like man there are better ways to do this also they like give examples of his atheist bumper stickers and some of them were very long and did not seem like effective bumper stickers Um, but they also kept calling them something else that wasn't like bumper stickers it was like slogans or something like he had a bunch of slogans on his car and i'm like just say bumper stickers (laughs) be a normal person come on right so he can't be he's already too weird yeah so that's liam so i guess his i mean like he's not 
poor. He's just kind of. No, I think they're just they don't like, really in go this into small his... town. No, Pauline is rich because her family owns like the Tidings Tea Company or something mm-hmm. like that. And and then everyone else in the town just seems pretty like middle class, like small yeah. town people. So Except for Maggie's family. Who, right. They're from uh, Chicago. They're from Chicago. They used to have decent finances. They now don't. Right. I think they moved to the town because of a job for yeah, one of the Yeah, her mom got a new job. Mm-hmm. And um, she is insufferable. Pretty much. So, like, in a lot of these books, I have a moment where I'm like, oh, I hate this character. And for yeah. Maggie, it was uh, on page 11. I think I know what you're going to say. What, what, what do you think it is? Is it the line where she said her mom said she was, like, the only teenager who never threw, like, a fit or anything like that? No, but that was also insufferable. Okay, because when Uh, I got to that point, I was like, oh, God, special snowflake alert. Yes. No, mine was where she is unpacking her shit, and she says, or the narrator says, once the plain white shelves were immaculately clean, she filled them with photos of her and JC, her and her parents, her favorite books, and then in parentheses, Jane Eyre, one flew over the cuckoo's nest, beloved. Uh, and I'm like, what? Yes. You are 17. You need to stop. And then like later in the book when she's talking to Liam's dad about oh literature, my God. she's talking about reading Moby Dick. And I'm just like, what 17-year-old reads that? Come on. I'm, like, I'm not saying that 17-year-olds can't read classic literature. No, but that just seems completely unrealistic. Right. I'm like, I was a big you know, Dracula fan when I was 17. I read that like five yeah. times. Um, but here's the thing. If you asked me when I was 17, what are my three favorite books? I would not be able to tell you because they changed every two weeks. And half oh, yeah, of the mine time, too. Right. And half of the time there was something like cute romance novel. Like what? Exactly. I, I accept that you can have favorite classic lit, but I do mm-hmm. not trust people who do not like any modern thing. And she. Oh, no. Because this continues. She likes the book. none like, of it. She doesn't like. Um, modern music. She only likes stuff from the 70s, 80s. Uh, she doesn't, like, anytime anyone talks about pop culture or, like, celebrities, she's very, like, Ugh. Yeah. She thought of them yeah. like they were her family. Like, okay. It's like looking down on it, you know? Yes, and I'm like... Or there was not- that line, there was that line later where she went to visit her friend again, and mm-hmm. her friend was like, we can mm-hmm. watch Housewives again, and it was like, oh, Maggie never liked to watch Housewives, but she never told her friend that. And I'm like, screw right. you, and Housewives like, is amazing, okay? First off, I didn't know if they were talking about Desperate or Of, so, you know, probably it was... Probably real Housewives, but yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, um, but... Yes. Yeah, she's just like one of those people who's like, thinks they're better are smarter than everyone else because they don't like yeah. modern stuff. And it's like Exactly. I I think it's really like shitty to be, oh, all of the music nowadays is just total crap. There's no good yeah. music. All good music stopped when I basically when, when my I taste was born. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, like, she's not doing that because obviously she's 18 and she's like referencing stuff that's from way before. But I feel like the author is kind of doing that. Like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, she's she's 17. Like, she doesn't like anything from the modern era. That's weird and annoying. Like, let her like things that are going to be relatable to Mm -hmm. like the readers. 
you know, because right. not every single reader is going to know all of these classics that she's liking and all of these 70s and 80s, like, references to music and culture and fashion and things like that. Like, And I mean, again, I'm not about saying your that... modern reader. I'm not saying she can't like Jane Eyre, One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest no. and Beloved, but, like, for those to be the books that, like, it just doesn't seem realistic to She's still shit on me. everything else. Yeah. And I mean, like, she's not aggressive about it. She's not, like... No. Everything else. It's just, I didn't buy her as a teenager. And yeah, me if neither. she was a teenager, she wouldn't be one that I would have wanted to hang out with as a teenager, you know? No. Um, so that's Maggie. She continues to, and that's the thing, like, basically her, her entire personality is 40-year-old woman, essentially. Yeah, trapped in the body of a 17-year-old. Yes. So you've got this 40-year-old woman in the body of a 17-year-old. And this five-year-old girl in the body of a 17-year-old. Basically. And they become best friends. <laughs> That's Pretty the plot much. of this book. Well, Pauline doesn't even give Maggie a chance. She's like, you're going to be my new best friend, and you're going to be happy about it. Because, again, Pauline acts like a five-year-old. Yeah, Because exactly. that's a very five-year-old thing to do. Right. Um, so they meet up, they become friends, and then because Pauline is friends with Liam, Maggie becomes friends with Liam as well. Yes. In the meantime, Maggie gets a job working at a... Antique store. Antique store, yeah. Uh, and girls are getting murdered. Pretty and much. both of those are things that don't really matter, but add to the tone, I guess, of the book. But they don't actually matter in terms of It's plot. just like a background plot that's not really even a plot yeah. that you never get any clear answer to. And honestly, that was another thing that was just so frustrating about this whole book. <laughs> Like, don't tell th- me that all these girls are being murdered in this small town and then never tell me who the murderer is, okay? No, right. that's and not I mean, cool. Like, I didn't mind that because, again, I was like, oh, that's not the point of the book. The book it doesn't the, – the question of the book is not who murdered these girls. The question of the book is what is going on with this ghost, which we haven't talked about right. the ghost yet. Um, but That's true. So, there mean, is like, a ghost also in the book. There is a ghost. <laughs> Our other um, main so, character, like, the ghost. If that's kind of where your head is at, I think when you get to the end and the, the who murdered the girls thing isn't answered, um, mm-hmm. you find that less annoying. But I don't think anyone would really – like I, I don't I don't blame anyone who goes in with the expectation that that will be answered because – that right. seems like a thing that should be answered. Yeah, you know? I think uh, I thought the first time I was reading this and probably this time too, like the more and more I went along, the more I was filled with just anger. If at the end they would have said, oh, and by the way, this is the person that was committing the murders. I may have given it like one more star on Goodreads just to have well, that question answered, even though it's not did. the main point of the book. I mean, they well, kind of did. They yeah, said kind of. But he was a guy who didn't matter and who died several years later yeah it was never named or anything because that's true if you go back to the whole theme of the book it's not really the main point it's not i don't know just it's not it's still frustrating that important yeah yeah especially because again the book kind of the back of the book and like the descriptions that are on like amazon and goodreads very much indicate that this book is about those girls who are getting murdered (laughs) right and it's pretty much not at all (laughs) Uh, (laughs) um It's so, just like it's not even a B plot line, it's like a C plot line. No, it's it's literally like just ambiance. Like Yeah. It's just like it's similar background to noise. 
Yeah, it's like similar to if a author was like really into describing the change of the seasons or something like that. Yeah. It's like that. Like, but it that's a weird thing to have be ambiance is murdered <laughs> teenagers. <laughs> it's a little strange. Just Yeah, just it's a, it's a, a choice. Tidiest bit. It is. Choices. Um, okay, so Pauline and Liam and Maggie become really good friends mm-hmm. and are hanging out all the time and whatever. Liam has a is in love with Pauline, but Pauline yes. is a five-year-old and so does not understand adult emotions like love and so does right. not want to be in love with Liam. Well, so, and she gives, like, a lot of very confusing answers about their relationship to begin mm-hmm. with, too, because she calls him my Liam, which is, you know, something someone might say about, like, a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Or something a five-year-old Maggie's, would say about anybody. That's true, about just their possessions. <laughs> she thinks yeah. she owns him, pretty much. And then Maggie asks her at one point, like, oh, how long have you guys been together? And she's like, oh, since we were, like, children. And yeah, that it seem was, like, yeah. And then, she, and then Maggie goes and asks Liam. Yeah. Wait, actually, doesn't she ask? Hold up. Who does she ask first, Liam or Pauline? Pauline? I I think she asks Pauline first, and Pauline okay. says, like, oh, since they were kids. I think yeah, she asks then, Pauline, and then she asks Liam, and then she kind of asks Pauline again. And Pauline, the second time she asks Pauline, she's like, oh, no, we're not together like that. People always yeah. assume so, but no. It's like, I don't know. Maybe consider your word choice then and stop describing your relationship yeah. in such confusing but again, ways, Pauline. Like, like we've been saying the whole time, five-year-old, so she doesn't think before yeah. she speaks. No. Honestly, the middle part of this book, I barely remember, like, the beats of it because it is just very slice of life characters hanging out sort of thing. Yeah, uh, but it's at not, some point, not a lot goes on. Yeah, at some point, Liam and Maggie kind of have a moment, and Pauline... Yeah, so, well, Pauline it gets sent to stay with her aunt for a while because... No, they, have the, they have the moment first. Oh. Oh, they before have, that? Like, yeah, they have, like, some sort of, like, not, like, a, a serious one, because later Pauline references it, because she says, oh, when I saw that between you two, that's when, like, I felt something change, and then her and Liam go hang out or whatever, and they get in an argument and come back really, really late, and then because all these girls are getting murdered, her mom is, like, freaks out about oh, it and sends her to go okay. with the aunt. Well, yeah, he was going to take her somewhere for, like, wasn't it for New Year's or something like yeah. that? And yeah, and they were out really late, and then her mom got upset about yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. But there was, I think, some moment between, oh. Ma- like, like some sort of something between Maggie and Liam before, because well, maybe I'm mis- misremembering it. Doesn't matter. Um, either way, either way, Pauline gets shipped off to go hang out with her aunt. Uh, Liam and Maggie continue to hang out. Yeah, because Liam is building Liam's building that sauna in between their mm. houses for a place to meet in the winters. And it was for Pauline. And then he and Maggie keep like hanging out in it and finishing it. And at one point he like says to Maggie, Oh, I should have built this for you instead and Yeah. All kinds of other things like that. And he gives her a bracelet that he found In their in her in, cellar. In her cellar? Yeah, they're like and- exploring her cellar or something because she, I don't remember if she thought it was haunted or she felt like this weird yeah. presence there, but she didn't want to go down in there for the longest time. And then he was over and then they went down there together and they found like this bracelet with like a cherry charm on it or something like that. Yeah, which I could not picture for the life of me because yeah. they kept saying like, oh, it was from the 1800s. And I'm like, that's a, did 
did they that wear... seem like something that would exist in the 1800s yeah like the specifically the cherry charm like yeah. i'm like I'm that like, feels uh... very like this feels mid not true 2000s. to the time period yeah um very very mid 2000s like that's uh, but so she takes this charm bracelet that liam found in the cellar that her parents own right and is like enamored with it immediately and just right. loves and it and she wore it for a while but then she sent it to pauline and was like i feel like you should have this well after after the things go down that go down well because, that's true that's true um she probably pa- feels guilty yeah so Pauline um, is kind of writing to Maggie, but not writing to Liam. And Liam's all butthurt right. about it. And Maggie and Liam start making out and yes. become a thing. Yes. Meanwhile, Pauline is over in Milwaukee, I think, right? Yes, I believe that is correct. So she's in Milwaukee with her aunt and this guy who we have heard of before. James Falk, I think. Was that his name? Yes. James, he who James has been sure. like, who has been like hitting on Pauline since they were children, and yeah, is like he's obsessed basically with her. been trying to been trying to court her, but not in an appropriate way. Yeah, and Pauline has been like not responding to his texts, not into it. So he decides to start driving to Milwaukee, like I guess every weekend or something. Yeah, to visit her. To visit her, which she never said she wanted, but no, not at all. Here so we that's are. Just problematic. <laughs> But then she starts making out with him. So they're a couple now. Pretty much. Yeah. Maybe so, just out of boredom. Maybe. Yeah. Knows, but yeah, that happened. Maybe because Pauline is a five-year-old and. <laughs> Probably someone, someone told was her, giving her attention. Someone was giving her you attention. And she was today. like, I like this yeah. person. <laughs> exactly. So things go on. They think they catch the murderer. So Pauline right. comes back to town. Turns out they didn't catch the murderer, but Pauline's back in nope, town. Nope, wasn't him. There Different was no person. evidence. They let him go. So Pauline comes back, and she's dating James. Maggie and yes. Liam are dating each other or making yes. out or, you know, doing whatever. Maggie Telling and Liam, each other they love each other. Yes, yes. That was my next point, that they have, like, told each other that they are in love with each other. Yes. At this point. So yes. they are like, whatever they're doing, they are They are in emotionally love. They're making out in, in the sauna. <laughs> they're doing yes. all kinds of things. So they all go to like a movie thing or something? No, no, no. That's later. A no, dance? No, it was Is like, that... it was, yeah, it was at a place where Liam works as a caterer. They were okay. having like some kind of dance thing. And okay. Maggie and James and Pauline all went to this like okay. dance, dinner, fancy party thing. So, like, James comes up to Maggie and is like, um, are you dating Liam? And she's like, yeah. yeah. And James is like, he's gross and I hate him. And also he's trying to steal my girlfriend. And Maggie like is like, this is a weird conversation to have with someone who just His told girlfriend. you that they're dating. Like, what are you doing? Yeah. yeah. Um, so James is all, and James is like, Pauline is the most beautiful girl that ever beautied anywhere. She's so beautiful and she's been beautiful forever. And every guy in her class thinks she's beautiful and is more beautiful than anyone else. And I want her because she's beautiful. And it's like, this is a little. Did I mention that she's beautiful? (laughs) It's like, James, this is a little much. Number one. And number two, why are you telling Maggie this? Because like, he's an asshole. Like, he's just, he's so, uh, so 
He's weird and creepy. I think and- he, I think he got in her head a little bit though, because then later when Maggie's in like her rage after what happens next, she's like, "Would Liam even like Pauline if she wasn't pretty?" Like, no, but she thought that before James said anything. Because well, like, that's even true. when she first met Pauline, she was like, "Wow, she's so beautiful," and I'm not no beautiful. And yeah. it's like you need to stop. Like everybody needs to calm down about this girl and her amazing beauty and I'm like honestly I feel like it's very um small town sort of big like big fish in a small pond sort of thing I would say so you know and I'm just like y'all need to like everybody needs to move to Chicago and then you'll really New York or something and everyone will be like a little bit more chill about how beautiful Pauline is you know right like I would assume in this small town they're not really exposed to any like diversity or anything like that yeah I also noticed that it all seemed very white it's very white yeah (laughs) it's very milk toast like kind of aggressively white where they're like everyone's Norwegian everyone's from like they keep bringing up how everybody has Scandinavian roots, and I'm like, yes. all right, we get it. You're white. Like everyone has like either pale skin and dark hair, or pale skin and blonde hair. Like that just yeah. seems like the description for everybody in this town. Yeah. So Maggie, she like catches Pauline and Liam making out. Yeah, yeah. It was. It's like Pauline goes outside to get some air. And this part is actually seen through the ghost's perspective. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The ghost is Which like overhead, like yet. watching everything. Yeah. So the ghost like sees Pauline go out on this patio or something. And then this figure comes behind her and it's Liam with like some empty waiter trays and he puts them down. And then Pauline basically just walks up to him and kisses him. And mm. at first it says, oh, Liam pulls back and he looks angry about it. And my thought was like, oh, good. He's going to he's finally done. He's over her. He's like, oh, I've got this really girl, great girlfriend that I like now. I can oh, move great. on. Uh. But uh, well, not really great, but maybe in his eyes, great. <laughs> but is that what happens? No, he looks angry for about two seconds, and then he like leans back in and starts kissing Pauline because that's all he's ever really wanted. Like, excuse me while I go vomit. Everyone in the town is invested in them having a relationship. They are. It's like they're shipping them super hard. Yes, which is like a thing that happens a lot in books. Um, yeah. I was just reading like a couple of romance novels and both of them had this happen where like everyone was like, oh, we've always thought you two would end up together. I have never experienced that in real life. Me neither. I've never been like, oh, I really think those two people I know should fuck. Like Me that's neither. never been a situation. <laughs> that's unrealistic. That's like, something that's like only in books and movies. Right. But so that's what this situation, like everyone in the town is like, Oh, Maggie, you know Liam and Pauline will end up together one day. They're destined. I'm like, I think that's what her guys... boss, Elsa, said to her at yes. one point. Yeah, Which she I was like, if... well, it's inevitable, the two of them. Like, you're going to get your heart broken because they're yeah. just going to end up together. Like, chill, Elsa. Like, calm yeah. down. And, like, Pauline, then she – when. And this scene, I think this was also still through the ghost perspective. Pauline basically says to Liam, like, oh, it's so hard pretending not to be in love with you. And it's just like, come on. Like, y'all need to, like, really just chill out. Like, honestly. So Liam and Pauline are together. Maggie is upset with them. But then... Yeah, because she sees them kissing, and yeah. but then doesn't say anything to either one of them. She like goes right. home and ignores them for like three weeks, and yes. neither one of them even really tries that hard to get to talk to her about it. I mean, either that or we just don't see it through the writing. Yeah, so they are just kind of apart now, and yeah, they kind so they they go on 
Pauline and Maggie eventually kind of make up. Yeah, a little bit. It's- but then they get in a nut. Like, they, they don't get in a fight, but they, um, I think it's at the movies. Yeah. Pauline essentially is like, oh, the Pauline's only reason. Like, Pauline, like, tries to force them all to be, like, okay with each other again. Like, it's, yes. really, it's really awkward. And Pauline tells her that the only reason she realized her feelings for Liam was because he was with Maggie. Right. So, like, there's that going on. And then also there's this whole thing with this dress, which is very symbolic. But also, all I could think of was how ugly this dress would be. The seafoam green dress with the rust-colored airplane. Yes, that's so ugly. What is that color combo? It sound cute. That sounds hideous. The The other dress sounded cute. That's better. The one that's supposed to be ugly. So, like, at the beginning of the book. The navy navy blue dress with, like, the flowers. flowers. That sounds like That sounds fine. I was but just like, at a store today where that dress was, like, everywhere. And, like, who wants a dress with airplanes on it? Come I mean, on. like, I get the airplanes thing. That seems like, oh, a quirky thing, you know? Like, I could see that being cute. Like, Maybe. a little quirky hipster sort of thing. Yeah, but, like, the true. color combo of seafoam green and rust, and rust. I'm like, that's gross. What are <laughs> you sounds, doing? That sounds not cute. It, early in the book, she walks past this window with her dad where these two dresses are on display and she's like i want that dress so badly it hurts Mm -hmm. and her dad is like uh we're poor we can't afford that um but then they for christmas get her the blue dress right which because it was was a little more affordable it was a little more affordable but that i was also very confused i was like are these the same style of dress, but like in different, different colors, pattern, in which yeah. case, why is one so much cheaper? Mm-hmm. Uh, is it that much cheaper that it would be that big of a difference in their price? Because here's the thing with this family. They're like, they keep talking about how they're poor and they can't afford stuff and mm-hmm. all this other shit. But then like she talks about how she's making dinner and she makes the same thing every Thursday which she invented. And I'm like, you didn't invent this, but that's fine. And it's like <laughs> pasta with tomato sauce, red chili flakes, and melted goat cheese on top. And I'm like... Yeah, goat cheese is expensive. Goat cheese is expensive. And I'm not saying that if you're poor, you can't buy nice things for yourself every now and then. But right. like, it, I was just like, I don't understand their finances. Like, I don't get how there would be a dress that's like maybe a $10 difference. And they're like, mm-hmm. wow, that one I can afford. And that other one I really can't. Because really it's like... Yeah. If you go to a, even like a indie store, like there's not that huge of a difference between dress prices. Like generally, no, really. they're going to price their dresses around the same, you know? So I was just like, this is a weird plot point. I don't get it. Like, um, I but, think it was just to kind of show that, again, yeah. the whole thing of Pauline always gets yes. what she wants or she because gets everything that Maggie, that Maggie can't wants. have. Yes, because yeah, everything that Maggie wants, because Pauline ended up with Liam. Pauline ended up with the dress Maggie wanted. And right, which we haven't talked about yet, that she right. shows up to Maggie's house and they're having a conversation and she's like, it's hot in here. I'm going to take my coat off. And then she takes yeah. the coat off and she's wearing the dress. And the I'm like, thematically, dress. that was great. In terms of like logistics, I don't get it. But no. <laughs> No, but yeah, it did. It worked well to show like, oh, see, Pauline just keeps getting everything. And I mean, in the end, she kind of gets what she wants to because, well, we'll get to that later. But the whole throughout the whole story, she's talking about how she wants to get out of the small mm-hmm. town and she wants to go to Austin and be like a musician and yeah, all this stuff. And and Maggie, Spoiler wants alert, to go. she does. She does. Yeah. And Maggie wants to go 
to, to college um, to college and to be like a businesswoman and spoiler, spoiler alert, alert she doesn't she doesn't <laughs> yeah <laughs> um, so they kind of have this falling out where so because Maggie is like Maggie just seems like she's just fed up with Pauline's shit, honestly. like Yeah, I think she really is. Pauline doesn't really realize how much she's hurting Maggie by doing all of this shit. Yeah, sh- like, she doesn't get it. And she keeps saying things to her, too, that are even worse. Like, I think at one point she says to her, like, oh, I'm, I am kind of glad that you and Liam happened because then it made me realize yes. yeah. what I had. And he kind of says the same thing to her because they have this conversation where he's like, part of me wishes it didn't happen, but a part of me is really glad it did because we had good conversations, and also it got me Pauline in the end. Right, so, and I'm like, like bro, just like, like don't... what a dick thing to say. Like, but then also Maggie, asshole. Maggie is kind of a dick to him too because he's like, well, well yeah. I do love you, and she's like, nah, never loved you. This was yeah. just like a fling, and I'm never like, never loved ya. I mean, like, I don't blame her because I'm like, yeah, you don't owe this guy anything. Like, he's no. a dick. Also, he's I mean, creepy. She... Well, yeah, and then she did, it is kind of, like, written in that she said those things just to mask yes. her own pain, yes. so she did feel that strongly, she did love him, but she's going to tell him to his face that she didn't, because then it's going to make it seem like she's right. the cool girl and nothing hurts her. Right. Uh, but yeah, like, can we real quick sideline about the fact that when Liam and Maggie, like, kind of first got together, he just showed up in her bedroom at one point? Oh, yeah, that was fucking weird that was so weird who does that she she had this moment where she like kind of is like awake in this half consciousness and remembers that she left the door unlocked Mm -hmm. and he's just she opens her eyes and he's just like leaning above her in her bedroom like come on stop being so weird because of the whole thing about girls getting murdered like yeah which again like i think works really well for atmosphere because like anytime anything happens there's kind of this like this underlying like, like fear that like, this might be him. a murder sort of thing. And it, yeah. it's like, well, there's, but then it's like, no, it's just point. a boy who wants to make out with you. Like, okay. Yeah. No. <laughs> there is also that one point that where Pauline jokingly says that she thinks Liam is the murderer. Yeah. Well, and I so. thought Liam's dad might've been the murderer for Me a good too. long time I had that because of the way they were talking about him. Um, but anyway, so Maggie, so Pauline. All right. So there's like a big snowstorm. Yeah. And Maggie's parents leave. And Pauline's mom, I think, goes somewhere, too. Yeah, um, she had some, like, meeting for their yeah. company. And Maggie's parents, didn't they go back to Chicago or something? Because her mom had had another job interview. Yes. To move back there. Yes. And, they've and been they back... tried to get her to go with them. And she was like, no, it's fine. I'll just stay here. I'll stay in the house. I'll turn the alarm on. I won't leave until you get back. And... Right. Well, they went, they went back once already because of this job thing. And she, like, hung yeah, out with her she... old friends. And she was like, I don't belong here anymore. And then she mentioned, like, yeah. oh, I've been away for six months. And I'm like, six months? Y'all, this is happening in six months. Like, you guys, you all need to calm down. Because she's acting like, she's like, oh, the, the her relationship with Pauline is, like, the type of friendship that I would say you have with someone that you've known for, like, a decade. And I'm like, yeah, you guys have not known each other long enough for you to care no. this much about each other. It's weird. I, th- I feel like the whole, and even, like, the whole relationship thing she had with Liam while Pauline was gone was really only for, like, a month. It didn't last that long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, that six-month comment definitely kind of put stuff in perspective. <laughs> I was like, you guys all need to calm down. I'm trying to think back to being a teenager and trying to figure out if it if time felt like that drastic as a teenager. But I don't know. I don't think so. Yeah. I think it's just really unrealistic. <laughs> yeah. So her parents are out of town. 
there's this big snowstorm. Yes. We've got Pauline, or, um, so we get the ghost perspective. And the ghost yes. sees boy, ex-boyfriend of Pauline, whose name I've already forgotten. I want to say Josh. James. I know it's not Josh. James, <laughs> yes. Um, James. James is coming towards their neighborhood. And the ghost yes. is like, uh-oh, he's going to attack Pauline or Maggie. And then... He keeps going. And it's like, oh, no, he's going after he's Liam. He's going after Liam. Because Pauline so, also made mention earlier that he had said he wanted to beat Liam up. Yes. So James does so and goes to Liam's. Pretty, and pretty badly. Beats the shit out of Liam. So mm-hmm. Pauline finds Liam all beat up and goes yep. to get help. So she goes to Maggie's. And I guess there's a car there with, like, a key that's under... Like, everybody knows where the key is, I guess. Yeah. And it so wasn't she there goes, or got pushed back or something like that. Well, she can't start the car, I think. And yeah, then she ends up dropping the key. The, the, yeah, she dropped it. But then they also were talking about those roads were covered in so much yeah. snow. Yeah. Like, they couldn't so there was, like, a lot, anyway. a lot going on. But she's, like, pounding on the door for Maggie. And Maggie's, like, I'm mm-hmm. just going to ignore her. Yep. Which, like, that's a choice. But Pauline goes... And starts walking across the ice. Because she made mention earlier in the story that when the lake freezes over, a lot of times people just walk across yeah. it to get places. So she Instead of going around it. Right. So she tries to do so. And at this point, Maggie, like, goes off after her. Mm-hmm. And then she... Pauline falls through the ice. Yes. Maggie pulls her out. She does. And they're both soaking wet. Mm-hmm. They go... To like Maggie gives Pauline her coat. Maggie gives Pauline her coat because Pauline Pauline is still wearing. She's wearing the airplane dress, I think, and no leggings or no coat or or leggings or anything. Yeah, and no coat. Maggie gives her her coat. Even if she was wearing leggings, they would be like soaked. They would be soaked through. Also, she'd be frozen. And Mag and Maggie's wearing the ugly, supposed ugly dress under her coat. So they go and they spend the night. I can't remember where it is. Is it like a it's barn like in or a something? It's like a snowbank or something. Yeah. yeah. And Pauline wakes up the next morning. Mm-hmm. And Maggie has frozen to death next to her. Yes, she has. And this Maggie is the point has where died. I was like, fuck this book. Yep. That was my <laughs> biggest thing. I should read to you what I wrote in my original Goodreads <laughs> review at this point. Because I was like, okay, I got this part. Okay. So they start crossing the lake and realize that they can't make it all the way across because they're tired and cold. So they stop for a rest. Paulina's extra cold. So guess what Maggie does? Gives Pauline her fucking coat because she's the only one who is a somewhat decent person. Guess what she gets in return? She dies. <laughs> yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maggie dies. Maggie dies. I guys. wasn't she sad dies. about it because I hated Maggie, but like I just it, think it's it, it's just it's a it's just crushing because it's like once again Pauline gets everything and Maggie yeah. gets nothing and also dies. <laughs> so Yeah, so it was a lot. And then we get a last chapter ish in the ghost perspective, and of course yes. the ghost is Maggie, Maggie who has been revisiting this stuff in her death to try to understand her life and move on. And we get a little wrap up where the ghost talks about what happened, like goes to ghost on these characters. Pauline Um, ended up in Austin playing at bars with music and she's married to Liam. And which like good for her, I guess. Yeah, I guess. 
What's and uh, they getting everything she wants. They try to keep Maggie alive by talking about her all the time. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, like, I, you... I get it. It's this girl who like pretty much died saving your life, but also like and also y'all knew each other for together. six months. Yeah, like y'all knew each other for six months though. Like, I don't know. It was. Like, the way it was phrased was supposed to make it seem like that's kind of, like, a happy ending for but Maggie. It's really, that like it's not, e- it's not even happy. I don't even think it, it's, like, bittersweet. I think it's just, like, just terrible. <laughs> well, and then we get, you know, like, so Maggie talks about the killer and, like, how he was never discovered and he died and whatever. On a, and yeah, she, on a boat, like, that sunk or something. Yeah, and she talks about how her parents adopted some kid, which, like, good for them, I guess. Um, yeah. And then... There's like a lot of very beautiful prose about like life and death and stuff like that. Yeah, and it you Which know that part was nice, but yeah, you know, and that was pretty much this book. <laughs> that was the vanishing season. Yeah, so like the ghost thing. Yes. Here was the thing with the ghost thing. I liked all the ghost bits. Mm-hmm. They're but probably I, the most interesting. Yes. And I wish the whole thing was just ghost bits yeah. and not the rest. But also, yeah. because the whole thing wasn't ghost bits, for a lot of it, I was like, what is the deal with this ghost? Why is there a ghost here? Like, it reminded mm-hmm. me very much of a book we read earlier in this podcast with a ghost cat, where, like, you could have taken the ghost oh, cat yeah. out and it wouldn't have <laughs> affected the plot at all. And I mean, like, the end, obviously, okay, when it turns out that the ghost is Maggie, I'm like, okay, now I get it but I don't know if the payoff was enough to kind of justify a good enough reason to have the ghost in the first place yeah it like it needed to be more ghost or less ghost essentially I think yeah well because as the story went along the ghost perspective kind of got more in depth each time it was having pieces of the chapter until like yeah the very end when the last chapter is just all ghost perspective right which like again it was like very well written, which I think, mm-hmm. if we're kind of getting into segment land, um, right? Silver, silver linings, linings, right? For this week, uh, definitely like the writing style for me was that yeah. I thought it was really beautifully written. Like I was like, I would definitely mm-hmm. read another book by this author. I'm just not going to read any blurbs for it beforehand, and hopefully, yeah. <laughs> I agree. I think the the prose is very nice the writing is beautifully done I also liked that it was set in a small town just because I find that mm. atmosphere kind of interesting and especially the the descriptions of like when it was to fall and the leaves changing and falling and it just made me really wish for that season right now so I mean yeah. I like that aspect of it as well yeah I think as like a character piece also it was very like even though I didn't like the characters I yeah it's well done I just felt, don't like yeah. the people <laughs> it, that's that's the thing I was like I feel like this is one of those books where I'm like, it's not my cup of tea, but like, yeah. it is so overall well done that I'm like, I did kind of like it. Yeah, I still don't like it, <laughs> but <laughs> but I can appreciate parts of it right, for right. what they are. Yeah. Did you identify with anybody in this book? Uh, I feel like this was a hard one because there weren't a ton of characters. Yeah. I, I mean, I see... Some, the the less insufferable parts of Maggie a little bit in mm-hmm. myself like but not really like I see things that she would do or or just the way she would get over things 
some i don't know i sometimes i feel like she was holding a grudge and sometimes i feel like she just in the end she didn't even care like her relationship with pauline she still did the right thing and she was like well i'm gonna help you do what you need to do and i'm gonna give you my coat because you're freezing cold and i feel like those are kind of things i would do even though the coat thing was really stupid they should have just shared it but (laughs) it's all either one jack and titanic all over again (laughs) basically that's what it is it was it was never let go all over again uh i and i think it's funny you said that like Maggie minus all of the shitty parts. Um, Because like for me, I was like, I feel like of these characters, I'm most like Pauline. Where like, Uh, I... I don't know if you're like a child. Not the child part, but very much like where she's like, I want to do things, but I don't want to make plans to do things because then I can't fail at them. That's true. That's kind of a little bit you. That's a very me thing where I just like want, like I have big dreams, but I don't want to actually have step like right. take steps it's the whole fear of like failure and yes. rejection and yeah I feel that too so yeah. I think I think like I did get that like I was like if it wasn't for the fact that she acts like a child constantly yeah and is uh annoying as shit like I do get yeah. her like motivations more than the other characters I think so what book would you have rather read this okay instead of so this? I ca- I have two. Okay. Um, the first one has nothing to do with anything this is Great. about. We talked about it a little bit yesterday about um, the Largene books by Jenny Hans mm. because I watched the movie. So now I would like to reread yes. all the, the To All the Boys I Love Before trilogy because I'm just kind of in that mindset. But then the other thing I would rather be reading is actually um, an arc that I got. It's called Sadie. It's by Courtney Summers, and it comes out very soon on September 4th. So I'm actually probably going to be picking it up this week so I can get it done before then. But it is about a girl named Sadie who has grown up raising her sister in a small town, Mm. um, trying to provide a normal life for her. And then her sister is found dead, and her entire world just kind of, like, crumbles. So after a botched police investigation, Sadie is trying to bring her sister killer to justice so she hits the road following following clues to try and find him and this radio personality named west is working on a segment about small towns in america and overhears her story and he tries to find her and he does this through a podcast so it kind of has like a serial <laughs> s-town vibe to it so i think yeah and he like huh. podcasts his journey trying to find sadie and figuring out what's happening and trying to find her before she ends up dead as well so i would much rather have been reading that because i think it will actually have the mystery thriller aspect to it <laughs> this was uh, uh, the laura jean series of you know jenny hans um books i've read before and i yes. you know, absolutely loved the movie that just came out on netflix so oh, totally so agree on that one and yeah Go that sounds like it. a really good uh good book to check out my picks this fortnight were um i also had two one of them is just literally anything else by this author because yeah i think like i said i really liked her writing style and i think maybe i've heard i've heard her book tiger lily yeah i've heard tiger lily supposed to be really good so So, that might be something i have to pick up the second one is something that I complained about earlier in this podcast is the book Beloved by Toni Morrison, which is oh. one of the books that uh, Maggie says is one of her favorite books. And I feel like this book is like all three of those books. I think it's interesting because the books that she mentions, like they very much 
relate to this book. Like, so I think Mm -hmm. it it is very, like I said, it's very English classy where your teacher would be like, okay, so what does the reference to beloved mean sort of thing? Right. Um, But beloved is this book by Toni Morrison about this woman who is an escape or she was an escaped slave. And when she was, after she escaped with her children, she was almost captured and her children were almost recaptured. And as a result, Mm -hmm. she killed one of her children, like in order to avoid that child being taken into slavery. Yes. So it's like, that's kind of the backstory. And then the book is about now years later after slavery has ended and she's living in this house and the house is haunted by beloved who is the child that she killed. And it's like a really like, same sort of like atmospheric, very like kind of character driven sort of book where honestly not much happens, but it's just so much like emotions and so much like symbolism. And it's like really, really, really good as like mm-hmm. uh, if you're like into like literary type books, like it's really, really, really good. And it's, um you know, one of my favorite books like Maggie, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> So then maybe you do have one little piece maybe of Maybe I do have a little bit of Maggie. Same as you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, Just so I, I, once she said that, and I was kind of like, I, I see, like, I do feel like this book is very derivative of that in some ways, where it's like this spirit that's haunting this house and kind yeah. of, you know. So that was my, the where my mind went uh, with this book. And that's what I would have rather, rather have read this week. Um, yeah. Sounds like a good choice. So, unless you have anything else about this book that you want to talk about? I don't think so. All right, cool. Uh, I'm glad I got to be on here and talk about my very first hay raid with you. (laughs) I love it. Yeah, so that pretty much wraps us up for this Fortnite's episode. Mm -hmm. Next Fortnite, it will be me and Anna. We will be talking about Handbook for Mortals by Lanny Serum. Oh, I'm so jealous. (laughs) (laughs) I want to rip that book apart. Yeah. I just remember I remember being at work in the lunchroom on my break when all this stuff started coming out on Twitter about how she gamed the New York Times bestseller list. Yes. Just, like, going insane with rage. So It is uh, a crazy story in terms of the background so, of this book. Uh, I, it's I, insane. It's yes. so insane. So we're going to see how the book itself holds up. Yeah, I'll just say this. As I'm in my profession, like, I don't know about every single new book that's coming out, but I feel like if something becomes a number one New York Times bestseller in the YA category, it should probably be something I've heard of, and I never heard of this book in my entire life until that day. So, yeah, just take that for what it is. Uh, yeah, so come hang out with us in two weeks' time to hear us talk about that. Morgan, uh, where can people find you if they want to follow you? Um, you can find me on Twitter or Instagram at I am Morgan underscore M. And I post more frequently on Twitter than Instagram. But I did get just get back from a trip to Europe. So I've got some pretty cool pictures up right now, especially <laughs> of Trinity College and the library there, which was absolutely gorgeous. So if you want to see those, go ahead over and check it out. Uh, Morgan also... Uh, if you do follow her Twitter, I have found several recommendations, like 
based on yeah. books, uh, books that she reviews, I've found several books that I've liked. So yeah, pretty uh, much if, all of my Goodreads reviews get posted on there too. So if you would like to follow us, you can find us on Twitter at HateReadCast. Uh, you can also email us, uh, HateReadCast at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you and hear about the first book that you ever hate read. Mm-hmm. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can find his YouTube info in the description below. In the words of Jody Lynn Anderson, a key is buried under the front stairs on Water Street. This is my work. This is the one thing I have to do. I am looking for the things that are buried. I want to bury this fucking book. <laughs> um, oh, also, real quick, can we talk about um, when they go to do that stupid mermaid show? Oh. Because <laughs> here is the thing. This is, this is a little, this is a side rant. So they go to this, like, mermaid theater thing where it's like a big tank with people dressed as mermaids swimming around and doing shows and whatever. Yeah. And it's a little mermaid show, but it's not the Disney version. It says they did the original Hans Christian Andersen version of the story, which again, this is the whole, Oh, it's not good unless it's, you know, classic like sort of thing, which is bullshit. Um, The tragic, non-Disney-fied one where the prince marries another woman and treats the Little Mermaid like an adopted daughter, causing her to stab herself with a dagger made of her own hair. And I'm like, look, if if this is what we're going to do, if we're going to come in and be like, the original is always the best, it's so tragic. You need to actually get the details right because that's not what fucking happens in the Hans Christian Andersen <laughs> version. You dummy! Like because no, not okay, quite. no, it's not. So like in the original version, in the and I went back and read the Hans Christian Andersen version because I thought I was going insane. Her, the Little Mermaid's sisters trade their hair for a dagger. It is not a dagger made of hair. Yeah. It is a dagger paid for with their hair, and she's supposed to kill the prince with it. But then she throws it away. She does not stab herself. She just dies at the end because that was the like rules of the arrangement and then she Contract. becomes and then she becomes a, a air fairy or something and tells children to oh, eat God. their vegetables which is like a whole other thing i could rant about that for another three hours but um yeah so that so, so maybe we should just say jody lynn anderson fact check yourself before yeah i mean you like if something like that if you're gonna <laughs> reference something that is so easy to check like i don't yeah, know maybe, maybe check it like mm-hmm. it's probably a good idea